Welcome back to the LeaderLink podcast. This is Charles. And this is Josh. Today we're going to talk about change, which is something that is near and dear to my heart. As a former law enforcement officer, we used to say that there's two things that cops hate, and that's when there's change or when things stay the same. <laughs> Genius. Yeah, it's it's said uh, it's said more often than you than you think. But <laughs> you know, when when it comes to change, obviously this is something that leaders deal with, um, whether they like it or not, and and um, leading the way through change is uh, an important function of a leader. We talk about previously, you know, whether or not you support the decisions made at the top. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes you have to be the one implementing the change. And so today uh, we wanted to talk about um, this theory uh, proposed by Everett Rogers in 1962 in a book called The Fusion of Innovations. And it's uh, probably more commonly referred to as the five, uh, five types of supporters of change. Or It's essentially this, this bell curve. If you can picture a bell curve and... At, at the very beginning of it, you have your innovators, um, which about two and a half percent of the organizational uh, people will be innovators. And then you have the early adopters, about 13.5% will be early adopters. Early majority follows that at 34%. And then you get on the back side of the bell curve with the late majority at another 34%. And then your laggards at a 16%. So, Josh, uh, any initial thoughts on this this model? I like this model because if you, it seems to play with reality, right? <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of a lot of these theories um, sometimes work, sometimes don't. But I really do like Roger's theory of diffusion of innovation because it shows you how people respond or react, not just to goods and services, but also to ideas. So, I, I mean, I think about. Think about the great inventions. Think about the iPhone, right? When it came out in 2007, uh, there were a lot of people I know who were not innovators, but they were probably early adopters because they weren't close to the iPhone release type of thing. And, you know, they're not technology gurus, but they were average consumers who liked technology and they jumped right in. They were early adopters. I um, was a laggard with I, the iPhone. I was not a laggard by choice. I was a laggard by finance. <laughs> so I desperately wanted an iPhone. In fact, I was watching the other day on Instagram the uh, release of the iPhone in 2007 when Steve jo- Jobs released it. And it was really quite funny because he pulls up the iPod feature on it. And he, he goes, do you want to know how to scroll through your, your uh, artists? And he puts his finger on it and he scrolls. And the crowd just goes... Oh, like they were amazed. And I was like, wow, how far we have come, right? My children are intuitively doing that now. And it was revolutionary 2007. That wasn't that long ago. But I do like this model because I think. Hold on. I want to, I want to go, I want to stop you and just talk about this iPhone thing a little bit more because I had an an, uh, Android, a a Samsung Mm -hmm. for years. Yeah. And. I remember seeing one of my in-laws texted me a picture or like a meme where it was uh, these two different people. And one of them said it was an iPhone user and the other one said Android user. And the Android user said, I feel so bad for you 
and the iPhone user said, I don't think about you at all. <laughs> but yes. but I resisted yeah. it so long. And you know why I changed? Because my wife? No, because oh. I had a Mac for uh, for school oh. and, and it was and it was nice. But um, the reason I changed is that I got into this text thread uh, group with a bunch of people who had iPhones and my my text messages would never really go through. Uh-huh. And I was like, uh-huh. I got so frustrated. Yeah. And but you know what? Now that I have the iPhone, everything syncs. Yeah. It's amazing. It works. But I was a laggard. Yeah. Anyway. You like the model? I interrupted you. Keep no. Going. So the, again, just proof positive of the way it works, right? I so I probably was in the early majority of that, and then you have people who are laggards who resist the idea. But I, I think this is true not just of a consumer product like the iPhone, but this is equally true of of an idea or of an organizational change. Uh, and if you think about it, just put yourself into the sh- and your and go back in your own history whoever you are wherever you're at whatever industry you're in and think about a change that came down the pipeline from corporate or from your leader uh, and think about how you responded to that right were you hesitant were you you know resistant or were you like this is a great idea I'm gonna jump on board immediately this 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 uh, model really shows us kind of a good I think analysis of your different types of reactions. Yeah. And, and you know, what it does is it, it acknowledges several things. It acknowledges that people are going to perceive change differently. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're going to have some people in the organization who they're, they're excited about change. They, they maybe don't understand it completely, but they, they see possibilities. You have people who um, make it, uh, they're, they're kind of the trailblazers, those innovators. Right. They're, they're really excited about it. Early adopters is, hey, you know, why not? Let's let's see where this thing yeah. goes. And then you basically make it safe for the early majority to say, all right, let's let's see where this goes. Right. Um, obviously, the late majority, you're going to have the skeptics who yeah. are kind of watching. Does this thing work out? <laughs> right. Right. Is it OK? I know change previously has not been always great for me or the organization. But okay, I, I see things are working out. And then your laggards are the ones who probably could care less yeah. about change. But this brings some interesting points up about leadership, right? Because as a leader, knowing that you have people who are going to perceive change differently probably has an impact on how you approach them during the change. We were kind of talking before the show, and you were you were talking about uh, your the idea that John Wills... Uh, good gossip. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my, I would say one of my great mentors, John Wills, he's a pastor down at champion forest Baptist church in Houston. Now, uh, one of the pieces of advice he gave me was, um, was, uh, spreading what he called good gossip. And so what he meant by that was, was cast this vision out to people and, and help them or enable them or entice them, if you will, to go and share that with others. Right. So if something is coming down the pipeline in in the organization and it's an exciting thing and it's a given, it's going to happen. There are certain people that you want to find in your organization, probably people in that either innovator early adopter category that you kind of know are down for it. And you go to them and you say, hey, guess what's coming? You know, this is going to be exciting opportunity or this event or whatever it might be. And you give them the vision for it. You give them what's going to happen. Maybe not all the specific details, but then you set them loose and you know they're going to go talk to people who are going to talk to people 
and it spreads quickly. And I think that really does help initiate that early adopter, early majority contingent of people in a really healthy way. Because by the time the change comes or is formally announced, people know about it, they've prepared for it, and they're ready to go. And so you can almost, if you do that properly, you can expand that early adopter um, uh, amount from, from you know, what is, you know, the average 13.5% in early adopters to, to early majority being 34%. You could probably push that early adopter to maybe 20% uh, or so, maybe 25% of people if, if you deploy this good gossip idea ahead of time. You know, I like the good gossip idea too, because it also really um, kind of lends to the why yeah, of the change. Absolutely. You know, and, and we, we talk about, we've talked about, probably ad nauseum of the concept of why and why it's so important as a leader to explain why. Um, and, and I, I I would assume that your innovators probably see the benefits before, um, before the announcement, right before, before they've even been approached, but your early adopters, I think the ones who are going to be more likely to get on board and again, I have not read this book from uh, the diffusion of innovation. I've just read about it in the literature. I would imagine that they are made aware of the why. Why is this good for you? Why is this good for the organization? Because if you can sell somebody on how it impacts them personally or how their participation will positively impact the organization, right. you make it personal, you make it emotional and meaningful. I think that's... That's uh, almost, I wouldn't say the job of the leader, but I, I think if you're interested as a leader in getting buy-in initially, yeah. selling that why is going to be important. Right. And I think, you know, the, the other piece of that is is it allows you to prepare even kind of the late majority and laggards for the change that's coming if you, if you execute the communication properly. Hmm. If that good gossip is well-sowed, and the change is not actually going to be implemented for a little while, right? Because you've given the vision for the change, but you haven't actually executed any any structural or or policy change at that point. Then what you have an opportunity to do is to get that message to the late adopters, to the laggards, and maybe shift the curve, right? Um, again, this is this is a this is a theory that applies to many things, but part of these theories is to show us ways that we can go around them, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I like the idea of good gossip because, hey, it may take you, laggards still change, right? They're just the last ones to do it. And sometimes they're the most resistant, uh, not necessarily hostile, but just don't want to. Um, and so if you can give them the why and give them the time to process it, you said it just a minute ago, innovators, when they hear the idea, see the benefit immediately. Yeah. People later on in the bell curve, they see the idea and they don't see the benefits initially. Most of the time, they see the the detriments, right? They see what's gonna, what they're gonna lose. Um, but if but if you can give them time to process that, then you can you can shift that so that when the policy change or the organizational structural change happens, they're not they're not gonna lag behind. They're gonna be right there with you. And it's and it's it's human nature for people to be skeptical of what they don't know. Sure. And and a lot of times that's what change represents. Yeah. It represents. A potential loss or, um, you know, whether that's in job description or in uh, responsibilities right. or maybe even a loss of, of responsibility that, that you do enjoy. Change represents a potential loss and, and yeah. it's natural to be afraid of the unknown. 
Absolutely. And I think I think I would be the first to say, I, I did a couple years ago, I did some reading on technology, like the, the introduction of technology into life. And one of the things that we are notoriously, I think, either ill-equipped for in modern society or just don't want to take the time to do is to think about the impact that technology will have on us, <laughs> right? Um, and you think about, think about the shovel, right? When the shovel was invented, however long ago, it changed. It was a piece of technology that was introduced. So it's not just digital tech. It's any kind. Um, the shovel changed things because when you stop having to dig with your hands, it changes your body composition, right? As a person, uh, you have a new a new method of, of digging. Fast forward to, I, I found this funny article the other day from, must have been the late 1800s, but it was a, a pen salesman who posted an article in the news talking about how the typewriter was going was gonna to kill the pen, right? And instead, he, he was seeing the, the negative consequences of it. Now, last time I checked, pens and pencils are still around and the typewriter is pretty much gone. So he, he missed it, but he was picking up on there's going to be a new form of, of writing, a new form of publishing. Uh, and so you, you kind of ha- if you don't think about these things, though, and how it changes the dynamic uh, of, of life, typewriting is not as artistic as handwriting, right? If you... If you go back and look at, there was a whole career field of people who did formal documents with by hand, and that was they would do contracts and all that, and they were beautiful. Well, when the typewriter came out, it was just somebody sitting at a desk clicking typewriter, right? And so that whole industry faded away. Um, is that a good thing, a bad thing, or doesn't really matter? That doesn't, you know, that's not part of the thing. But it is interesting to think about how we don't think through what could be gained or what could be lost based on when a technology is invented. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's an, that's an interesting, interesting note. So thinking back to this, the leader's responsibility in this, in this bell curve. And, and I'm, as, as you were talking, I kind of dozed off and, and started thinking about the laggards. It's all good. I'm, I'm, uh, that probably we probably should include that. That was kind of a random tangent, but it's fascinating. So I think another thing to be thinking about as we consider this is, is that, not every leader is always going to be an innovator or early adopter, right? Uh, it depends on what it is we're talking about or what it is we're changing. Um, I watched this Warren Buffett thing a couple of months, or I guess it was probably a year ago. And, you know, he's a billionaire. He's really good at identifying things to invest in, to buy out. But Warren Buffett doesn't use a computer, he still every day goes to McDonald's as far as when this was recorded and buys the same one of three things, depending on how the stock market goes. So you don't have to be a early adopter or innovator in every category or topic of life in order to, uh, in order to be a leader. Right. I, I, I agree with that. Leadership plays a, a big part in working with their team through change We've already kind of talked about explaining the why, good gossip, how to get those early adopters and the early majority in. But talking about this concept of safety and, and loss, and and I think maybe one of the reasons why you have these the the late majority and and the the laggards is because um, they they don't feel safe with the change. Now whether they are willing to put that word. <laughs> you right. know, attach the word to their behavior, safety, feeling safe through change is important. Sure. So 
you know, for a leader, one of the things you can do with the the people who are maybe in that late majority or even laggard category is engaging in communication. And and I think one of the one of the things that I've seen a, a big problem in when when change is announced or executed is that not all the information is really given out uh, either far enough in advance or even throughout the process. Sure. And and you do you do people a disservice that way. You also do your organization a disservice, I think, because if people if people don't know the why, if people don't understand it, uh, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get their buy-in. No doubt. Yeah, clarity of communication and change is probably the most important piece of the process of change. Yeah. Um, if you can clearly communicate, you can alleviate a lot of burdens on people. And if you can communicate the benefit and not the costs better, then you're going to be in a much better spot. Yeah, I love it. Well, good talk on uh, diffusion of innovations. Peace. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Leader Link Podcast. If you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we want to know what you want to hear about when it comes to leadership. You can leave us a comment or send an email to info at jcleadershipconsulting.com. And we'll see you next time.